know, a new year, I don't know if you're a resolution kind of person, if, if you're someone that kind of thinks about the, the span of the years, but there's something about the turn of the calendar that, that just reminds us that we have fresh, like a fresh beginning, right? That the, that the disappointments from last year don't have to be the same disappointments for this upcoming year. And I was just praying and thinking about today and how we begin our, our, our time together as a church family. And, and I just kept thinking about this idea, man, that, that this year, man, may it not be a year of what ifs for us. And, and this is what I mean. So often, I, I think we as God's people, we, we, we are brought into these opportunities where I think God is like opening a door, or he's opened a window, or he's opening the space for us to step through to experience him, to, to partner with him, to bring his kingdom, to help uh, other people understand the goodness of God. And I think it's so easy to, to see those moments, those opportunities, and to, to let them pass by, and, and for us to, to sit on, the, uh, to come here and, and, and to go, man, what if I would have taken that opportunity? What if? And, and I go, man, may this be the year that, that we are, as, as God's people, not known for, for sitting around talking about what if. What if I would have done this? What if I, I, I would have stepped into this opportunity? So this story that we're going to be in this morning is, is in Matthew chapter 14. And I think it, it has this ability to really stretch us in, in a lot of ways. And I want us to, to read it and hear it together. And so this is what uh, the, the word of the Lord from Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22, 685, using one of our Bibles. It says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Matthew 14, verse 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. So I want to set up this story for us because we kind of pick up in the middle of a chapter. And so this has been a really busy day for Jesus and his disciples. The day, in fact, started out by Jesus getting word that one of his good friends, one of his kingdom partners, John the Baptist, had been killed because of his faith. And so Jesus hears this news. And like so often you, you and I do, right, when we hear kind of news about losing someone, we want to just get away. We want to spend time. We want to retreat. We want to pray. We want to grieve. And so Jesus says that he gets his disciples away and, and to the solitary place to process all that has just happened. And, and, and so he gets in the boat and they're, and they're paddling across the lake and they get there. And imagine this scene. You just get word that, that one of your best friends has passed away and you show up. And there are about 20,000 people waiting for you in need of you. What do you do in that moment? You get back in the boat, right? You go for another place to find, right? And what you see in Jesus is, says he's filled with compassion. In the midst of this bereavement, he gets out of the boat. He teaches all day long. At the end of the day, these people are hungry. He takes the five loaves, the two fish that they have, and he multiplies it to feed every single person. It's just this amazing day. But could you imagine the, the day that Jesus had, the day that the disciples had of, of processing this death and, and teaching all day long under the hot Middle Eastern sun and, and feeding this crowd. And then Jesus says, get back in the boat and go to the other side. 
And I was thinking about what, what it looks like to be a disciple. We're gonna look, kind of look at four movements through this text, what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus. The, a disciple of Jesus is someone that is driven by Jesus's commands. A disciple of Jesus is someone who's driven by Jesus's commands. See this in verse 25, sorry, in verse 22, it says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get in the boat. It's almost this anticlimactic moment that, that this huge day, right, happens. And it's like, what is Jesus going to do? In John chapter six, it says that the crowds wanted to make him king, but he knew it wasn't his time. And I'm wondering if the disciples are going, man, you just fed 20,000 people. This is, this is the kingdom. This is what we need right here. And Jesus goes, no, it's not my time. Go back to the other side. And you can imagine this going, seriously? We already rode over here one time today. Can we just set up tent and go to sleep right here on the shore? Doesn't that sound nice, Jesus? And, and there's not this negotiating that, that they look at Jesus and they said, whatever you say, we're gonna do it. Because they understood that, that a life of a disciple was driven by Jesus' commands. Have you ever wondered, man, and, and, and you gotta be careful. I've gotta be careful with this statement, okay? And so you need to kind of weigh this. But have you ever wondered sometimes why, why you're not experiencing God? Why you might not be having breakthrough with God? And I'm not saying that this is the case because it's not always the case, but, but I do encourage you to, to really look inwardly and go, man, am, am I taking God's commands as, as commands or am I treating them as casual suggestions? The Lord was really pricking me with this question this week. Man, if someone were to look at my life, man, if someone were to look at your life, would they know what is important to God? Would they know the things that God has commanded? Jesus in John chapter 14 says, whoever has my commands and keeps them, that's the one who loves me, right? And we think about love as this feeling, man, I don't feel God, right? And he says, no, one of the, the ways that you actually love me is beyond the feelings. It's in action. It's in keeping my commands. It's in looking at his things that he's, he's spoken to us and not treating them like suggestions, but going, man, you know what? Because you tell us to get in the boat, we're gonna go. I go, I pray that 2020, that, that when God looks at us, man, he looks at us as people that, that are because I say so people. You know, we, 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 we don't do this very well. I don't do this very well. Over the break, my, my kids and my wife and I were sitting down at the table and I was just thinking, man, what does it actually look like to love God and love people? Lord, it was reminding me of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, right? Where it goes out and it just literally spells out, love is patient, love is kind, doesn't envy, doesn't boast, it's not proud, it's not rude, and all these things. And so I go, man, if, if, if I want my kids, if I want Courtney and I, if, if this is the kind of people, if that's what's most important to God, are we, are we actively pursuing those things? And we sat down at the table in the morning and we said, hey, today we're gonna look at the first way that, that, that Paul describes love. And he says, love is patient. So today our, our, goal, our command is to be patient with each other, right? And, and, and it went super well, as you can imagine, right? With three little kids and, and Court and I just executed perfectly on our intentions for the day. But, 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 but my, my point is that, man, we, we look at God's commands and we go, you know what? Because you say so. A disciple of Jesus is, is someone that's driven by Jesus' command. The second th thing that a disciple of Jesus is known as is that, that we receive him as he is. A disciple is driven by the commands of Jesus and we receive him as he is. Look in verse 25. It says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them. He was walking on the lake. 
And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it's I, don't be afraid. I love that Dale sang the songs that he did this morning. Do you realize that we served a God of the impossible? Who's ever heard of anyone walking on water? Our God has no limits. Rebecca believes it. We serve a God of, of, of the impossible. In this story, I think it's meant to awaken and stir this faith in us that, that our God can do anything. You know, I don't want to be a part of, uh, of a generation that perpetuates this need of revival. We are desperately in need of revival in our country. And I don't want to perpetuate that any longer. You see, revival uh, is needed when God's people start letting go of and forgetting about God altogether. When they start letting go of and forgetting a part of God. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to pass that down to the next generation. I don't want our kids, the kids that are growing up in the back, the kid that Kimberlyn's holding and her, her son, I don't want them growing up believing a, a, a God that has limits because we pass that down to them. Right before Christmas, there was this terrible incident, part of our, our cannery family. There's some, um, some, some men and women that, that live in this apartment complex in Nashville and it's filled with, with, with refugees, people who've migrated here from all over Africa. Right before Christmas, one of the, the boys got, he got tragically just shot in this, this terrible just shooting. And he was in Vanderbilt and he was, in the, he was on life support and, and we had prayer gathering the very first Sunday night in December. And I won't forget this for a long time. We were up there praying and, and their whole community's up there leading worship and praying. And, and, and they just kept saying this, our God can do it. Our God can wake him up. Our God can heal him. And, and the thing is that they actually believed it. Right? And, and, and things happen in our context and we're like, man, you know, God might do it. Or if we're being really honest, a lot of us go, man, God couldn't do anything. God won't do anything. Jesus in Luke chapter 18, he says this, these convicting words. He says, when the son of man returns, will he find faith? And I go, man, as, as God's people, as the children of the living God, let's not just be a friend of God. Let's not just be a friend of Jesus. Let's be people who have faith in the full revelation of who Jesus has shown himself to be. You know, if I did this with my wife, she wears so many hats. Wife, mother, disciple maker. She's a physical therapist. If, if I looked at Courtney and I only acknowledged certain aspects of who she was, right? Like I acknowledge her as mom and wife as disciple maker, but I never pay attention to her as a physical therapist. Number one, I'm an idiot. And number two, it's incredibly insulting. Right, it'd be so insulting to, to not give her the honor that she deserves. And it'd hurt our family actually because there are so many things that happen and we need her and her expertise to come in and to, and to speak into it. And I'm going, man, do you realize that we do this with Jesus? We're cool with him being our savior. We're cool with him being our Lord. We're cool with him being our friend. But I go, man, do we treat him like, ah, we really don't know if you're the, the God of the impossible. Like, do we really believe that in our heart? And I come here this morning and I'm not pointing fingers at you. I'm going, man, I've done this. 
And if this is you, don't just sit there and wallow in it. Repent. Repent of that. Our God is the God who heals and the God who hears, the God who walks on water, the God of the impossible. That there's nothing that our God can't do in this world. It's the God of the impossible, a disciple of Jesus. Driven by the commands, receive him as he is. The third thing that the disciple of Jesus does is that we join him where he is. Driven by his commands, receive him as he is. We're we join him where he is, starting in verse 28. Or verse 27, let's do that. Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it's I, don't be afraid. And I love Peter in verse 28. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come. Peter got down out of the boat and he walked on the water. And he came toward Jesus. When he saw the wind, he was afraid of beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught him. You have a little faith, why don't you doubt? And I go, we can so easily go to the part about him getting fearful and doubting, but did you miss the fact that he walked on, on water? You see, Peter saw Jesus doing something. He saw Jesus experiencing something. He doesn't stand in the boat and go, man, Jesus, you're so awesome, which is what I do, right? I, I read the scriptures, I'm like, Jesus, you're so awesome. Peter understood there was something more for a disciple of Jesus, for a follower of Jesus. He said, I want to be a part of that. And I love that you can even kind of hear the discerning in Peter's voice, right? If, is that you? Is that you, Jesus? Like, is that you? Right? And doesn't that connect if you've ever tried to discern, if you've ever like really tried to, to press into God's heart to see what, what God might be doing, isn't it true that so often it's, it's foggy? It's like, seeing, it's like seeing like Peter did. You're not exactly sure. You're not, you're not clear. Is that you? This is prayer. Peter's, Peter's showing us how, how to process this, how to walk in this life. And I don't know what it is personally for you, but, but, but you see it, you feel it. God, is that you? God, is that, is that you calling me to, to share my faith with that person? God, is that you inviting me to pray for them? God, is that, is that you inviting me to set aside some of my time to, to spend time with that person that is lonely? God, is that you? And if it's you, God, tell me. I would rather be a part of a community that takes risk by faith because we felt like God was calling us. I would rather be part of a community that gets out of the boat and walks and gets wet trying to follow Jesus than to spend our entire life being skeptical, sitting in the boat. I would rather share my faith because Jesus, I would rather us share our faith because Jesus has opened the door. We felt like he, that he was opening for us and get laughed at or get asked a question that completely stumps us than for us to say nothing at all. I would rather us pray for someone that we felt like God was telling us to go and lay hands on and pray for him to heal, praying for a miracle. I would rather us do that and seemingly nothing happen than for us to never take a risk to pray. I would rather us ask our neighbors over for dinner and invite them to church and invite them into our house churches and then tell us no than for us to spend our entire lives never asking them. I would rather us take the risk because sometimes what happens when you take the impossible step, you find footing where there shouldn't be. Because sometimes when you take the impossible step, 
you walk on water. God, if it's you, tell me to take a step. You know, we put these cards in, in every seat. And I go, there's some of you this morning and, and you come here this morning and, and I know you, you're just dying to meet people. And maybe you're introverted and you're scared, but, but there's something in you that you go, man, I want to engage. I want to know people, but you're afraid. And we put these in your seats as, as a way for you to take a step. Do you realize that Jesus is a servant? Because I didn't come among you as one to be served. I came to serve. And I go, I invite some of you this morning to strongly consider, get on a volunteer team to serve. Some of you come here this morning and, and you're dying for community. Your, your whole life is spent by yourself. And you're processing things alone and you're living in your own head and you know that, that you wanna let people in, that you need people in your life, but you're scared. And we put these here so that you join a house church today. Today is your step. Some of you, man, we, we talk about this, this season of prayer and fasting, and maybe you had a terrible experience two years ago. Maybe you tried fasting and you had a headache, right? Maybe you lost some of your faith or whatever happened. I don't know what it was. And, and, you, and, you, and, you, and you engaged, but it didn't work out the way that you wanted. And I go, perhaps, man, God is inviting you to take a step. I mean, to really get out of the boat and to put your foot on the water. Not to be one foot in, one foot out. You can never walk on water if you're really in the boat, right? You gotta be all in. Two feet on the water, all in with God, all in with his purpose, all in with his kingdom, all in with his people. God, is it you? If that's you, God, tell me to come. A disciple of Jesus, driven by his commands, receive him as he is. What's the third one? Join him where he is. The fourth thing, our lives then become the thing that help people see and worship Jesus. Like how many of you, man, the, the, let me say it this way. What if your life, your words, your faith, your heart, your love, your risk-taking was a thing that helped someone else come to know that Jesus was real? What if I told you that, that your life with God wasn't just meant to, to come on a Sunday, like your whole life with God wasn't just this, but that you could be a part of helping people understand that Jesus is real. Like you, every single one of you, those of you who've been in church your whole life and those of you who are just coming back, those of you who are house church leaders and those of you who are too scared to join a house church, what if I told you? Man, do you realize that, that Peter's willingness to get out of the boat was one of the things that helped the people in the boat discover who Jesus was? You ever, you ever notice that, that sometimes what people need is they just need someone to, to, to go before them. They need someone to show them. You can do this. They need someone to, to, to go before them and to remove some of the fear, someone to get out of the boat first. Why not us? Why not us? Are we scared of what? If we fail, so what? Jesus probably told us he's gonna catch us. And he's gonna do some business about the faith, but, but look at who Peter became, the rock. 
So what if you fail? So what if you stumble? So what if, if, if you pray and nothing happens? So what? Your faith will honor Jesus. Your risk will help people around you see Jesus for who he is. What if, you're, what if your willingness to get out of the boat benefits those around you? But the beautiful thing about life with Jesus is, is it, it never just benefits those around you. It, it blesses you immensely. That your willingness to, to get out of the boat, to take a risk, to take a chance. That you can't live vicariously through someone else. You don't want to spend your life going, what if? You don't want to spend your life telling someone else's story about God's great work. God longs to work through you. See, the risk that we're willing to take for God often becomes the thing that we remember when our faith is weak or when things get rocky in our lives. I know the power in the gospel. I know the power in, in inviting someone who doesn't know God to church. I know the power of God to heal people. And I don't say any of this stuff arrogantly. I'm just going, I've seen it because I've walked in it. Not perfectly. And I've done it more imperfectly than I have perfectly. But I, but I trust the gospel and I trust the power of, of God to change someone's life. And I, and I trust that sometimes when you get on your knees and you lay your hands on someone in need of, of healing, I, I trust it because I've seen it. And I'm telling you that there are so many times in life where, where I've, I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed for healing and I didn't see healing. And you want to know the things that, that keep me grounded, that keep me reminded that our God is a healer? Because I had the faith one time to step out of the boat. And I saw God give impossible footing where there shouldn't have been. And you were made for that. You're made to walk on the water. Your life is made to help everyone around you see and worship Jesus for the impossible God that he is. You. So we hear this and we're like, okay, great. What am I supposed to do, Brandon? Listen to this, Isaiah 42, verse 16. A disciple of Jesus, you gotta remember this. A disciple of Jesus never is the one taking the lead. He's a follower. This is what he said, Isaiah 42, verse 16. So I will lead, I'll lead the blind. Isn't that us? We don't know. We can't see in front of us. We don't know what God's gonna do. I will lead the blind by ways they've not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and I will make the rough places smooth. These are the things that I will do. I will not forsake them. This is your God. I will lead the blind by ways they've not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do and I will not forsake them. And so here's what I want us to do. Two kind of quick sending points before we jump into the time of communion. The first is, is I really want to invite you. This is some of your, your homework for this week, my homework. To give special attention to the commands of Jesus. Like give space this week. Read through Matthew chapter five, six, and seven. Very first sermon that Jesus preached. Read the things that he says and then put them into practice. 
Pay attention. Give special attention to his commands. The second thing, pay attention to the people around you. Pay attention to the places that you see Jesus walking on the water and the places he might be inviting you to join him. Who are the people in your life that God's gonna bring this week? People who are so sad and lonely and they just need to be noticed. Do you believe that God's gonna put some people in your path for you to be the one that just speaks an encouraging word to them? Do you believe it? Will you have eyes to see it? Will you see Jesus walking on that water and will you take a risk? Who are the people that are gonna be in your path this week in need of healing? And you're going to go, man, is that you, Lord? Ask him in prayer. What if this week you got to see the miraculous flow through your hands? I guarantee you'll come back next week a different person. (laughs) Who are the people this week in your path that don't know Jesus? Pay attention to the places that you see Jesus walking on the water. And ask him, can I come with you? Can I be a part of this? I'll end with this story, then we'll be done. Before Christmas, uh, actually last summer, I got kind of pulled into this, um, honestly, just kind of this mess. An absolute mess of a marriage. It's no one in our church, so. And honestly, just it, it, there was just so much brokenness and so much darkness and so much sin. And, and the reality is that, that Satan, or I don't know if you even believe in this, Satan had a hold of the man's heart. And he was treating his wife like absolute garbage. They moved to Nashville. I hear all the things. I meet with this, this guy one night and he's just confessing all the things that he's done to his wife. And in my flesh, I'm like, dude, you're a terrible human being. You're a terrible person. That you could treat someone like that. And the whole time I'm sitting there, I'm going, man, I'm, he's a terrible sinner. So am I. And I'm looking at this guy and he's crying. And he's broken over his sin. He's broken over who he is. He's broken over what he's done. And he, he's like, man, I know that the enemy has a grip on my life. And it's the strangest thing. I came on, I was telling court. I'm like, it doesn't make any sense, but I believe that Jesus is fighting for this guy. Like he's, he's been so horrible to his wife. His wife should just leave him. Like she has every reason to leave him. And yet for some reason, she's staying around. She takes her vows very seriously. And I saw Jesus, I saw King Jesus fighting for this guy because the enemy had him. The enemy had him right where he wanted him. And I just saw Jesus going, Brandon, you you gotta link arms with this guy. I'm walking on the water here. 
And I came home and told Court, I'm like, I gotta fight for this guy. Because I see Jesus fighting for him. And I talked to this guy last week. He's getting all this help. He's getting all this counseling and his wife has stayed around and they're working on, on their marriage. And, and, and I just talked to him and I could hear the hope in his voice. You know, his, he knew that he had done all this wrong and all this hurt to her and he had, she had no reason to want to stay around. And she told me, she's like, I'm 90% done. I talked to him last week and there's just hope. And I share that with you. I don't know what's going on in your life, in your family's life. I don't know what's going on in your friend group, in your house church. I don't know what's going on in your neighborhood, in your street. But do not doubt that God can change it, heal it, fix it, walk on it. God is a God of the impossible. And if God is walking on the water in front of us, if he's showing you a person or a place for you to step out on the water, do it. You can come here next Sunday and you can testify. You can testify to the water that you walked on. You encourage all of us. Let's take the risk. Let's be God's people. Let's not settle for what if. Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are, Jesus. Thank you that you died for us, you rose from the dead, God, that you live in us. I pray that, that you would give us faith, that you would help us to, to not just hear these words. Even me, it's easy for me to preach this sermon. It's so much harder for me to live it, God, but I wanna live it. I want us to live it, God, not for our own glory, but for yours. We want this city to wake up. And we don't know how to do that, God. We've tried our own efforts. We, we want people in our lives that, that are, are battling with sicknesses and illnesses and, and in unbelief. We want them, God, to walk. We don't know how to do that. And so, God, we ask that you would walk on the water in front of us. And God, you know our fears and apprehensions, but you also know, God, that, that we believe in you and that we want to walk. And so call us, God, and show us, God. Appear to us in, in dreams and in visions, God. Appear to us in house church. God, would you give us ears that are always listening for you? Give us ears expecting to hear from you in songs that, on the way to work. And, and, and as we read the word and as we, as we gather here, God, help us to believe that you're always speaking, that you're always walking, that you're always inviting us. God, we want to be your disciples. We love you. Pray this in the wonderful and holy and precious name of Jesus, who we'll see face to face one day. In your name we pray. Amen.